This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Jalen Jalen, it's good to hang out with you uh, as usual on Thursday nights. What have you been up to? What's your week been like? John, good to see you. Uh, so you know that our kids go to a uh, Christian school here um, in the North Shore area of the Chicago land. And one of the things that I really appreciate about our school is they do this, this thing called Service Learning Week. And so the week before spring break, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers of our school will We'll take the week basically to visit different ministry sites around the city um, or kind of close to the community. And they'll just learn about the ministry work they're doing. And it kind of opens up their, their horizons, obviously being at a, a private school, being at a Christian school, being in the North shore suburbs of Chicago, it can be kind of a bubble. And so what I really appreciate about this is that my oldest who's now in sixth grade gets a chance to visit. Uh, he got a chance to visit three different ministry sites this week. And learn about things that are happening in our city, things that are happening um, really all over the world because some of these organizations are, are global. And so I'm really thankful for our school that they kind of expose our kids to these things. And for, you know, for our oldest, we've had really good conversations the last few days about um, how he wants to serve the Lord, how he's kind of thinking through like what God has gifted him at and also what he's what God has given him a passion for. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, my oldest have this sort of desire to serve and uh, connect with people. And, and then also to grow deeper in his relationships with his friends and, and the other like seventh and eighth graders at school. Uh, it's just a really neat opportunity. And I know that there are some parents at the school that are like, why are we taking a week out of like academic pre preparation to focus on, you know, serving? And I'm like, well, because we're followers of Christ, right? I mean, <laughs> what is our priority here? And so I really appreciate that, you know, our school is intentional about doing these sort of things. And mm. um, so, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. That's something that is super cool. And it's given me some ideas about what I want to do with some of our youth at our church too. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that is that coming up right now or you're in the middle of that week right now? We're in the middle of that week now. Okay. Yeah, so they just finished their third site visit today which is thursday and then tomorrow actually this is cool too tomorrow they'll have a chapel where they'll, they'll share with the younger grades what they've learned so i think it's first grade through fifth grade will then have a chapel and the middle schoolers will come in and they'll share about their experience and tell the i mean basically the next generation like wow. here's what we learned and here's um, what you can look forward to as you get to middle school so it's super cool and uh, i really appreciate what our school is doing with that so yeah that's awesome. And especially because it's, they're, you know, Jackson's not just telling, you know, future students, he's telling his siblings in, in right. those assemblies. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, how are you doing? Good to see you. 
Yeah, I'm doing well, Jalen. Um, it's been uh, it's been a good week. I've been preparing most of this week for um, for tomorrow. Actually, uh, tomorrow um, morning, I have the opportunity to go to a local high school and share at an outreach um, that the the Christian club at that school campus has uh, organized for the week. And so they've had these like different uh, outreach events all week, and and I get to go in and share uh, a, a short message tomorrow uh, around lunchtime, actually. And so I'm both nervous and excited for it. I'm, I'm nervous because, you know, obviously it's been a few years since I've been, uh, you know, speaking with youth and, and working with students. But I am excited because it's a, it's a really um, fun opportunity to share with them about Jesus and the invitation that Jesus has for young people to experience who he is and, and encounter him. And so. Yeah, that's super exciting. And, and I'll definitely be praying for you. I know that that is something that you are passionate about is seeing youth and students put their faith in Christ and grow in their relationship with Christ. And so I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a great opportunity for you. And it might maybe reignite some <laughs> ministry passion for youth. And uh, uh, we might have some further conversations about <laughs> that. But yeah, I am a, the thing. Oh, one of the things I'm nervous about is that I was only given 10 minutes. So I have never really been a short winded speaker or preacher. Right. So uh, whittling down something to be impactful, but only 10 minutes was a challenge all week. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> please pray. So, but thank you. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for our guest today because our guest also has a passion for students, not necessarily high school students. Uh, he's worked with college students and grad students. And so today we have Calvin Chen, who is a pastor at Church on the Ave in Seattle, Washington, and also a campus minister for Graduate Christian Fellowship at the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington. And so, Calvin, uh, I know you're a good friend to both me and John. Uh, you know, for me and, and Calvin, we've been uh, friends for a long time. Uh, our, our families were family friends, and so we've known each other for a long time. And so it's, it's good to have you, Calvin. Thanks for being on the program today. It's good to be here. Yeah, Calvin, we, we love uh, having new guests on with us, and a, a big joy of that is being able to hear their stories. And so could you just briefly share with us your, your ministry journey, kind of some of the stops that you've been to along the way? How do you find yourself at the church you're at now, and how did God call you into ministry? And any of those questions you can tackle. Sure. Yeah, I think I'll work backwards, actually, if that's okay. So like Jalen said, I'm currently half-time. I'm one of three church plant pastors. Uh, for Church on the Ave, it is a, a small new Christian Reformed church in the university district, uh, close to the University of Washington in Seattle. We're trying to be as multi-ethnic and intergenerational as possible. And uh, currently I work half-time as campus minister with graduate students and some faculty as well. So graduate and faculty ministry with Graduate Christian Fellowship at the University of Washington. Uh, before I moved here, I was I did seminary at Regent College in, in Vancouver, BC, uh, during which time I was also I was also working a little bit with uh, with campus ministry at UBC and also serving with a Chinese church in the Vancouver suburbs. Uh, and before that, I was with uh, kind of a multi-ethnic, uh, historically Dutch congregation in a pretty socioeconomically and ethnically diverse area. Um, and before that, I did nine years of campus ministry with Asian American University at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, so Midwest roots as well. And uh, before that, I spent one year on administrative staff uh, for the Urbana Student Missions Conference, which is fairly well known in, uh, in the Chinese American Christian community, especially. 
Um, so actually, as an undergrad, I studied music performance, and I tried briefly to become an opera singer. During this time, I also realized that I wasn't really super wired like an artist often. And even in, in church and in ministry, I've, I've found that evangelism and discipleship were always kind of big passion areas for me. And actually, when I was in the middle of opera auditions, I came down with a really serious case of bronchitis and uh, ended up taking just my one year Urbana admin job as kind of what was going to be a temporary thing. And I was volunteering with a campus fellowship at the University of Wisconsin. And I was like, hey, I, I really enjoy this. And I'm really passionate about seeing faith become sustainable, seeing faith become joyful. And I, I felt like the college age is a really key time for that to happen. Actually, some people, there's some, there's some missiological studies that talk about kind of the ages of 17 to 26 are an especially key time in terms of evangelism uh, and discipleship. So I, I found uh, just a, a really huge passion for that during that time, prayed about it and felt called to it and haven't looked back. It's been 16, 16 years of uh, full-time ministry since then. Yeah, that's super exciting. And, and we always love to hear the different places that God has brought people. And for you, obviously, you've been in different parts of not just our country, but also in Canada as well. And so that's, that's exciting to hear about. Um, share about your relationship with the Chinese Heritage Church in particular, and maybe your experience in the Asian church ministry context. You shared a little bit about um, Asian American university, but yeah, some of your experience in, in those kind of spaces. Yeah. So my experience, I've always been kind of near the Chinese Heritage Church, but not necessarily directly in. Uh, so I'm, I'm from Chicago, but uh, and grew up in, in a Chinese Heritage Church there. Uh, it, was, um, it was a Christian Reformed Church, which is the denomination I'm in right now. And it was, it was I mean, I kind of knew, knew the people from CCUC, the, the, the big Chinatown church growing up, because we were among the few Chinese churches in the city and not the suburbs. So I think we kind of were always kind of connected to each other. So that was the first half of my childhood. But the second half of my childhood, I actually lived in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, and actually attended, uh, my family was involved with a charismatic mega church there. So it's a pretty, pretty big shift. Uh, and then in college, uh, attended a fairly pan-Asian, maybe slightly Korean dominant church and then uh, Asian American University was pan-Asian, uh, but then started uh, probably around then uh, started kind of attending more, uh, more, more majority culture dominant churches probably around that time. Um, always, always have had a heart for, for the Chinese Heritage Church, for, the, for Asian American churches in general. Uh, so uh, AAIV at, at the University of Wisconsin was pan-Asian. Actually, so it was almost uh, the, the three largest ethnic groups were Korean-American, Chinese-American, and actually Hmong-American. Uh, so yeah, a lot of Hmong folks out there. We also had a decently high number of Korean-American adoptees, which was a, uh, so yeah, so um, got to do a lot of cool ministry up there in, in a pan-Asian context. Uh, and because of the context of the students that I worked with, we were, I was always kind of connected to, to the Asian heritage and immigrant churches in Wisconsin and the Chicagoland area. So I was always connected to them. And I think that, you know, two thirds or more of the students that we worked with grew up in these churches, right? And some of them, and as, as kind of we all know, some of them, you know, being part of a Pan-Asian college fellowship, maybe it was a place they would receive some discipleship. And then as, as adults, you know, post-college, maybe they would go back to, to their heritage churches. Um, others might go to majority white or multi-ethnic churches. Uh, you know, and others, as, as, we, as we all kind of know by now, right, uh, some folks are kind of on, in the process of realizing whether or not Christianity is for them. 
as adults. Uh, so, so we had various folks kind of in different parts of those processes. Uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of my time. Uh, yeah, that's kind of been my relationship with the Chinese Heritage Church and and the Asian uh, the Asian Church Ministry context. Um, I would I will say kind of a, a cool story during that time. There was uh, there you know there have only been a few times in my life where I have been fairly sure I heard directly from God. But interestingly, there was a season maybe a few years into campus ministry where God really really put on my heart uh, to pray uh, specifically for Asian immigrant churches. Um, and I was I was working in, in quite pan Asian context at the time, and and it was for for really several months. I really um, kind of prayed in tears uh, for for our Asian heritage and immigrant churches for for quite a while. And you know, I talked to some some spiritual mentors and advisors and things like that. And uh, you know, to to some to some extent, I'm still kind of working out what I'm supposed to do with that. You know, I, I've I've worked briefly uh, in uh, in these church contexts, but I've kind of gone uh, I've I've spent most of my ministry career outside of them. Right. So God has always really put on my heart to care about this context um, and to pray for it. You know, Calvin, just hearing your story and your journey, um, it's it's just interesting to me, like how the Lord has led you to a lot of really, really different contexts. I mean, even working with Pan-Asian college ministry, you know, between Hmong American, Chinese American, Korean American, those are three really different cultural, you know, groups and have different um yeah, just different ways that they they see the gospel and, and so uh just fascinating to me and then going from there to you know now serving in um in the pacific northwest you were also in canada and, and all the different congregations that you're, you've been sharing about have been a little bit different right a chinese church in yeah. canada multi-ethnic uh, or trying to be a more multi-ethnic intergenerational church in in seattle and so uh, i guess a question that that i have for you is is there a particular context that you find yourself to be more comfortable in um or you know that you feel that this was a place where um yeah it was a place of comfort and then the lord launched you from there into other things or yeah how how's that been for you yeah that's a really good question you know when when people talk about people who've lived in different cultural contexts or you often hear the, the phrase third culture uh, or third culture kids tck's and so forth uh, they often say that people like that or people like us uh, don't feel completely at home anywhere, right? So, and I've experienced that a little bit, right? So kind of having been in so many different places, I feel slightly at home everywhere, never fully at home anywhere, right? But I would say one kind of role that I feel very, very comfortable with is playing tour guide. So I love taking people from kind of one uh, cultural context or place uh, and and then kind of playing tour guide and helping introduce or guide or explain some things to somebody in in another context to them so i i really i really really kind of love that role of, of you know like literally being a tour guide showing people the sites but also kind of cultural tour guide whether introducing people to different foods or different worship culture or different church cultures uh, and and people you know people who've lived in different places and different ways of doing things um, so i feel very much at home kind, kind of in that tour guide type role yeah, you know, before you go on, I was just wondering, do you have any examples of like how you've done that or places where you've done that? And then also maybe just for the sake of our listeners, um, why that's valuable and why that matters for the kingdom, like to 
to connect cultures together, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, the kingdom of God is multi-ethnic and multicultural, right? So I think to, so we do kind of need uh, folks who were, you know, bicultural, multicultural type backgrounds to, to go back and forth and to bring people to one or to another. Uh, and I, I do think, you know, uh, on a very pragmatic level, there are, there are things that work in certain cultural contexts that will work in other ones as well, um, right? And different different methods hmm. or, um, but the, there are but there are also things that are helpful to to learn um, from each other, and uh, yeah, we obviously need people who go between these contexts or are, are comfortable in in multiple different contexts uh, to be able to have that dialogue happening. I do feel that often, um, you know, especially in conference type settings, you know, uh, it, it is really interesting. I think uh, you know when I was when I was starting out doing uh, work, doing ministry with Hmong American folks, uh, you know, is, uh, the, the Chinese American church or context is, is, is really several decades older than, uh, than other immigrant church contexts. So uh, there was even, even generational, you know, oh, what, what does a church do when, you know, when second gen folks start becoming more numerically dominant or when immigration, when, you know, new immigration slows down, how does a church deal with that identity process and things like that? So being able to make connections between folks in those different different church contexts uh, has been a lot of fun. Actually, in, in the church I was part of in Wisconsin and then uh, the, the multi-ethnic church I was in in Vancouver, um, just actually being able to go between the different crowds and help welcome new people or help them connect more deeply in the church was something I really enjoyed doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a more, more concrete example, I love church potlucks. So one of the coolest things in, in multi-ethnic churches is, is church potluck season, mm. right? So, or church potluck times. And, uh, you know, I, it, and it's, I, I, you know, there's, there's, there's a way to do it where it's like, oh, that's kind of like tokenizing. Right. But I was like, I love, I love sharing food. <laughs> I love sharing food cultures and just all the different, uh, you know, actually, if you open my refrigerator right now and you looked into it, you would be able to tell the different ministry contexts I've been in. You'd be like, oh, yeah. So you, you'd be able to see it. You know, there's there's gochujang, you know, there's, there's gochujang in there. There's mong pepper sauce. Uh, I do a lot of like kale and potatoes from from the from the from the. <laughs> From the Dutch folks, uh, I I probably have all the ingredients to make a casserole in there from all my time in the Upper Midwest. So, mm. yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's something that you know we, especially as we step into maybe majority culture spaces or like multi ethnic spaces, we have the the joy and sometimes maybe the responsibility of being that tour guide. And at times, I think that's. It sounds like for you, that's something that you really enjoy, yeah. right? But 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 at times that can be also very exhausting, mm, right? Mm. Because you're having to describe uh, or or define things that are almost like second nature to you that are completely foreign to others, and so in that sense, it's there is like a setting aside of your just your your comfort or setting aside a, a sense of you know that you're having to actually sacrifice some of your time and your energy to do this. Mm. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, set aside sort of that personal comfort to connect with others from different cultures or ethnicities for the sake of the gospel? As you said, like evangelism and discipleship is something that's so key to your ministry and how you look at how God has wired you. How do you stay fresh in that while maybe taking on this like tour guide sort of mentality? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that some some 
traits, I guess, for me that have just always been part of who I am are both curiosity and enthusiasm. Uh, I actually joke with friends that enthusiasm is sometimes one of the few emotions. It's, it's one, it seems like the only emotion I, I can access sometimes. Uh, that, that could be unpacked some other time. But anyway, uh, so I think curiosity and enthusiasm uh, across multiple levels, I think, I think especially for culture and ethnicity, but also for individuals and their experience within different cultures and ethnicities, right? So, so obviously we're, we're all individuals, right? I think that the Chinese heritage church context has shaped all three of us, but we all relate to that culture and context in different ways. Uh, so I think always kind of looking for both, uh, being, being curious and enthusiastic about both, like, oh, that's really cool, you know, or, uh, but also walking alongside, there, there often can be like pain or dissonance or discomfort in those contexts. So walking alongside those, and I think because I have had experience in both comfort and discomfort, so relating to those kind of more universal aspects, even, even amongst different experiences and contexts is, is extremely helpful for that. Both being a Chinese American, you know, leader or pastor, as you've worked with others and even evaluated in your own life, what have been some of the, the things, the characteristics or qualities of yeah, Chinese American leadership in the church that has been an advantage in doing ministry, especially maybe in a cross-cultural context? Like what, what are some advantages that you've seen or maybe even disadvantages, things that they've had to overcome or that you've had to overcome in these contexts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so there, there's the there's the complex one right away where I often I, I do identify a little bit more as Taiwanese American, but I think Chinese American is not inaccurate as well. And obviously, I'm part of the Chinese heritage uh, church context as well myself. Um, so you know, I, ooh, I I try to focus on the positive. I think it's it's very easy for us, uh, you know, I think to, to try to beat up on ourselves, like, oh, well, our culture is like this and our culture is also like this. So I, I do try to focus a little bit on the positive. Um, so um, I, I do think that, very, you know, without being overly stereotypical, kind of the the more, the, the harmony orientation, the relational aspects uh, are, are always extremely helpful. And I think, you know, in, in today's culture, especially, you know, 21st century millennial, post-millennial, uh, Gen Z, all, all of these things in the Pacific Northwest as well. You know, people talk about the Seattle freeze out here and that people are just not necessarily super friendly and hospitable and people don't have as much social and relational connection. I think those are so core to who we are that uh, that is, and there's no way to do ministry without those things, to be honest. Right. So so I think those can be extremely helpful um, on the other end, because, you know, so I'm part of a uh, uh, you know, a, a fairly multi-ethnic denomination, but also also historically white. Um, and uh, you know, a funny anecdote is that several of my of my Chinese American friends, uh, who have Chinese American and Chinese Canadian friends who have gone through the the ordination process, typically in our exams, you know, we, we take all these like psyche vows and get all these tests. Um, they send a lot of us to assertiveness training, but that could, that could probably be unpacked more. But um, but I do think, you know, for us to function in uh, multicultural or majority culture contexts, we often have to we have, often have to teach ourselves or force ourselves to be a little bit more assertive, right? So I think I think I see that as both an advantage and a disadvantage. Sometimes I, I hesitate a little bit with the bridge builder type paradigm or language, right? Um, and I don't think it can necessarily be asked or forced or expected of us. Uh, but I think at minimum it is true that we do make multi-ethnic spaces uh, more likely to happen, 
right? We we do make them we make them more likely to happen. We do make them, you know, if uh, typically, you know, race, especially in the U.S., is understood in a very black white way, and in in spaces, I think I think when when Asians are present, uh, I think it is a space is more likely to become multi-ethnic, and there's more likely to be dialogue um, when we're there. So I do think that we do play a helpful role there. Um, you know, obviously, I do want I, you know I want to be careful with with how we set that up, but but I do think it is um, it is uh, it is something that we're able to bring. Yeah, you know, just a follow up question, Calvin, because you described just for a moment that, you know, in your denomination, how the denomination leaders have, you know, approached uh, leaders from different cultural backgrounds. And I just thought that was really interesting, you know, um, that I'm a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so we, we have our own history with um, how we've handled uh, different cultural groups and, um, you know, I guess how ministries have uh, formed and, you know, districts have been made across the country where um, in some places certain ethnic groups are part of the geographical districts. And so there's a certain relationship that those churches have within a multicultural context. Um, and then, you know, we also have like these districts that are ethnic specific, like the Hmong district or the Vietnamese district. And, and so I have like a certain idea of how a church denomination handles conversations of ethnicity, handles conversations of cultural, you know, cross-cultural dynamics and things like that. But I'm curious, like in, in your denomination, in your context, how have you seen uh, as a denomination, um, you know, the church approach conversations of culture and ethnicity? Yeah, well, what's really interesting, so my denomination is the Christian Reformed Church, which is a historically Dutch Reformed denomination, uh, largely with a huge base in West Michigan, but also in other areas with, uh, with significant Dutch immigration. Um, I think in some ways, because it has been a historic immigrant denomination and immigrant church, that is very much the paradigm with which culture and ethnicity is understood. And I think in a lot of ways, it is a gift, right? So you know, a lot of times uh, white folks often think they don't have something to bring to the to the ethnicity and culture discussion. You know, I think I think we all know that's not true, right? Everybody has a cult. Everybody has a culture and ethnicity. But I think because of that Dutch immigrant heritage, it's it's often a little bit easier to access that that culture and ethnicity and bring that to the conversation. Uh, so that's been that's been really cool. Uh, so there's there've also been. Uh, about 10% of our denomination is Korean, is ethnically Korean. Uh, so that's been, uh, that's, you know, kind of the historic Reformed Presbyterian heritage makes that a little bit more likely. Um, but there also have been a lot of Southeast Asian uh, churches uh, as well. And I think part of part of why that has been helpful is that kind of uh, immigrant heritage. Um, actually, and I, and I kind of do want to share a story real quick. So when I was, when I was in Vancouver, uh, there was, a huge influx of Syrian refugees uh, while I was there. And I still remember these, these old Dutch Canadian grandpas and grandmas standing up at a prayer meeting, uh, saying that it was not optional for them to care for the newcomer, for the outsider, for the immigrant, for the refugee, uh, because that, that experience was so fresh uh, for all of them. Uh, so I think that, I mean, both, both on a multi-ethnic level um, and, um, and on, a, on a Chinese heritage level, I think kind of remembering that is, is extremely helpful. And that has been very helpful for, for our denomination uh, to approach those conversations. Yeah, I was going to go back to, you know, the, the idea of being a, a bridge builder 
And, you know, I think for a lot of our listeners who might be in, you know, majority Chinese heritage church, thinking through that sort of opportunity, you know, there might not be a lot of opportunities for that. Is that something that you think we in the Chinese heritage church should pursue? Um, especially given what's happening in our, in our country right now. Um, yeah. And, and even as we kind of, you know, look forward to what we're, what we're wanting to experience in the kingdom, right. Of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, like, is that something that we as leaders in the Chinese heritage church should pursue being those kind of bridge builders, maybe establishing relationships with majority culture churches, as well as, you know, black churches or, um, Latino churches. Uh, yeah. What, what, what are your sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. You know, I think we're, we're in an interesting time in, in the U S right now, obviously in the last, uh, in the last almost decade now, uh, with, uh, with black lives matter and, uh, and, you know, uh, the, the, the rise in violence among Asian Americans as well. Um, I, I do think it is necessary that we be in conversations, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we necessarily need to understand ourselves as bridge builders, so to speak. But I, yeah, I would say that one, we need to be in these conversations and and have these conversations and to be uh, aware of these things. Uh, and I think second, we do need to. I think there are times that we need to force ourselves to be uncomfortable and to be less comfortable in the settings uh, to push ourselves to speak up when maybe that's not expected. Uh, and there are other ways in which it's okay to to be comfortable, so to speak, or at least to to not have so much of a burden. I think so, and it's it's okay to to release ourselves from that burden of being a bridge builder, or from being like, well, if we don't if we don't bridge the gap in this dialogue, or if we don't try to make this dialogue happen, it won't. You know, sometimes it's okay to you know I think it's okay to seek co-ethnic or cultural community as well, where where we can kind of be built up and encourage each other. Um, and I, I think we also, yeah, I think we need to push ourselves to be uncomfortable at times in different in different cultural contexts. But it's also okay to seek out community, you know, you know, of similar backgrounds, um, where encouragement and you know even some some relief can happen as well. Yeah, and I, you know, I think for you in in your current role as you know a, a pastor at the church plant that you're at now, that's you know aiming to be multi ethnic and intergenerational. Um, how, like, how do you seek to kind of balance all of that in your role now, you know, doing the things that you're doing, reaching out to the people that you're reaching out to at this church plant? Yeah, you know, it, it is really interesting because I think with, with, with me as, as one of the pastoral staff who comes from a Chinese heritage church background, we don't want to be that multi-ethnic or majority culture church that people who are coming from their Chinese church contexts want to escape to which which can be which which can uh yes uh, and as 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 my friends and brothers who are pastoring in in that context um uh, let me say that I would I would never encourage folks to, to leave on on terms like that um at the same time I think uh I I do think the gospel ecosystem paradigm you know you may have heard people like Tim Keller use that term um I think to think of ourselves, uh, you know, especially in our cities or our metropolitan areas, as partnering together in a gospel ecosystem is an extremely helpful paradigm. Uh, the reality is there are some people who are probably called in this season of life to be in their heritage church, in the, in the Chinese heritage church, and there's some folks who probably aren't. 
Right. So, and I think that's, that's where we dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And I think some folks are, are probably called to be less comfortable. Uh, some folks are called to be in the context that they grew up in. Some folks are called not to not be in the context that they grew up in and to, uh, you know, and I think uh, similarly, some folks are called to be in more multi-ethnic context and some people are called uh, to the heritage church context. So, um, so I think kind of being open-handed in that sense um, and thinking in terms of what is pastorally uh, both in terms of uh, like discipleship and mission, what is most helpful to that particular congregant, right? And also um, what is most helpful to each church and what is helpful to just for the overall gospel ecosystem of that particular city, right? And, and in that sense, you know, I, I maintain relationships and pray, meet regularly for prayer and encouragement uh, with folks in the Chinese Heritage Church context um, in, in the Seattle area. Actually, I you know, actually pretty much uh, it's, it's very hard to fit in uh, kind of extra, extra, pre extra preaching engagements in my time, but uh, it's probably one of the first invitations I try to say yes to, or really try to make, make time for, because I still do care so deeply uh, for the Chinese Heritage Church context. Um, and that's been uh, actually the perspective of, of meeting with these pastors who serve in different contexts um, for encouragement. Also just, you know, just paradigmatically, just chatting with people who are in, in different contexts and different work cultures uh, in different ministry contexts. I think it's just good for the soul. I love it, Kelvin. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and your experience with us. Um, it's been, it's been great hearing about your story and your journey. And, and actually one of the things that I, I should have mentioned it earlier when you had just said it, um, but I, I really loved see, hearing that picture of what your fridge is like uh, and that being a like a microcosm of the experience that you've had in church ministry. It represents, you know, all that uh, all the different connections that you've had and, and um, places that the Lord has led you. And, and I, I mean, maybe that's that's what churches need to do when they're looking, asking the question of like, you know, maybe for a new hire, like what's been your experience in different contexts? They should really just ask the question of like, what what's in your fridge right now? What kind of sauces do you have lined up on the door of your refrigerator? But we love to end our podcast with the same question for all of our guests, which is what, what would just be one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? Yeah, so I think the encouragement that I would give, uh, I'm quoting my friend Andrew Ong, who's done a lot of research on, on the Chinese American church in general, but I, th I think the Chinese Heritage Church has a very important role in the multi-ethnicity of the Big C Church, right? So even if we're serving a particular cultural context, uh, the, the church, the overall church is multi-ethnic. So I think that often people can be like, well, what, what if I'm only in this kind of narrow context? It's like that. No, that's not, that's not true. Actually. I think that, that ministering in a particular context actually is a gift to the global church. Um, so I want to give that encouragement to my friends who are ministering, uh, whether, whether as a pastor or as a lay leader, uh, in the Chinese heritage church, uh, what you are doing is, is crucial gospel work, uh, for the big C church in a multi-ethnic way, uh, with regard to kind of multi-ethnic multi-ethnic experience in the current church. Um, I do feel that those of us in the Chinese Heritage Church have a lot more experience with, with, uh, with religious plurality. Actually, you know, most of us can name when our parents or grandparents or even we ourselves uh, became Christian. And, you know, for me living in Taiwan, I, being a minority religion, uh, being a minority religion when most, most of your classmates were Buddhist or Taoist or Muslim, 
and living in that kind of culture and, and knowing when kind of our families became Christian or we ourselves became Christian is a huge gift to an increasingly post-Christian country and culture that we live in. So I think this is a gift that we really bring to our churches and to, to the entire multi-ethnic church or gospel ecosystem of our cities. I think that we in the Chinese Heritage Church, because of our experience with that, can, can share a lot about what we know and what we've learned from that. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good word. I think that's a really important reminder and maybe an important lesson for us to keep in front of us. And, uh, and I appreciate also just that, that that thought about being conversant with the Holy Spirit on, the, on where he's called you and what he's gifted you to do and to recognize that that fits into the larger Sea Church and what God is doing there. So Calvin, it was a joy seeing you and, and having you on. So thanks for joining us, man. It's so great to be here. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.